I have a lot of compassion for people with empty buckets, even when they're being really mean, because it's because something inside of them is really going on that's painful. Welcome to Beyond the Book Podcast. I'm your host, Aaron Wogelenter. Each week, I invite you to take a journey with me to take a look at what happens beyond a range of books and what inspires some of today's great Jewish authors. If you're an author, or if you know an awesome author who would like to come on the show, please reach out to me at info at intentionaljew.com. Speaking about Intentional Jew, this podcast is sponsored by Intentional Jew Podcast Network, the greatest Jewish podcast network creating great Jewish content. We're always updating and adding new content, new shows, so check it out at intentionaljew.com. A massive thank you to Shui Haber from Mosaic Press, who just helped me get this podcast up and running, and he's helped us out, and he's given us, to my listeners, a 10% off code. So if you purchase a book from mosaicopress.com and use the code BEYOND10 at mosaicopress.com, you can get 10% off the code. And I'll put that in the show notes, show notes and description so it's easy to use that code. Again, the code is BEYOND10 for 10% off. If you'd like to get in touch with our guest today, you can find her at Sarah the Bucket Filler on Facebook and Instagram, and you can find her at sarahthebucketfiller.com. And again, you can purchase the books there or on mosaicopress.com. Today's guest is Rifka Fishman. Rifka Fishman is a teacher, and as a teacher, she noticed that something is not right when it came to children being nice to each other. So she wrote a book. She wrote Sarah, the bucket filler. She's trying to solve this problem at its core. In short, the message is that kids aren't nice to each other when they aren't happy inside. She's taught elementary school, middle school, and teenagers and adults for over 17 years. She currently teaches and is a special programs coordinator at the Torah Day School of Houston. She spent many years researching and implementing effective ways to minimize fighting between children and now coaches schools and parents and runs workshops to teach parents and teachers how to bully-proof their children. So if you have children, or you're an educator, or you're a bully, then this may help you with being more kind to others and becoming a happier person. You can follow Rifka on Instagram and Facebook at Sarah the Bucket Filler. So without further ado, I bring you Rifka Fishman. Hello, Rifka, and welcome to the show. Can you give us a background and a little bit, bring us up to speed of what is the book, Sarah, the Bucket Filler, and what's the message, the important message that is trying to uh, give over to its readers? Sure. So Sarah, the Bucket Filler teaches kids to be kind and to stay happy. And these are both such important things always um, and definitely right now. I was a teacher, I've been a teacher for 21 years now, and it was always um, frustrating for me when I saw students not being nice to each other. And I, I and, and in general, I had really nice kids from really nice families, and I couldn't understand when my own kids were just little, like, why kids from nice families? And so I got into bullyproofing in general, using a lot of Izzy Kalman's techniques. And then when my daughter was in kindergarten, she got a new kid in the class who made her miserable. And so I started telling her um, a bedtime story using these kinds of techniques and combining it with the theory of a bucket that was made up by Donald Clifton. 
And when I took the techniques and I put them together, it worked really well. And we used to just talk about different scenarios of how she can fill someone else's bucket. And um, eventually she said, you know, you should write this into, you should make a book. Lots of people should hear this story. And so I did. And I just realized I mentioned the bucket concept without explaining it. It's basically all of us have a bucket. We all have um, a place that stores our good feelings about ourselves. And, um, you know, you explain to a kid it's invisible and it makes a lot more sense than, you know, when you talk about emotions without something tangible. And when other people are mean, it empties our bucket. So I think it's very important to teach kids two different things. One is it's really important to be kind. It's really important to be a bucket filler. Um, of course, we all know the story of Hillel. There's nothing more important than, you know, being kind to somebody else. Um, but at the same time, not everybody's always going to be kind to you. And it's important to keep your own bucket full even though other people are not going to always be nice to you. And that's, it's important in that case to realize why the other person is being mean. And really it's because their bucket is empty and it's not you. There's nothing wrong with you. You're not a horrible person. And the younger kids are, when they learn this message, the more it'll be able to really be a part of them. And we'll end up with a lot of, you know, healthier adults as a result. I'm hope, I hope. Cool. So the inspiration for the book was your, your daughter. Yeah, totally. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious, is that why I took on like the form of a young, young girl's book? Because that was the, uh, was that the original audience? Is that why? That was the initial audience. The main character, Sarah is her middle name. So it was actually drawn to sort of look like her. The She actually has purple shoes in the book. And my daughter has long run out of those shoes, but those are sitting in her closet because she's so proud that it became a book. That's amazing. Um, were there any experiences beyond raising your children that also inspired you to, to write this book and to have this uh, message be spread? So really, um, as a teacher, I felt that there was a need for it, which is why I already had the tools to be able to work with my daughter on it and then learn more things to be able to help her um, because she was on the younger side of what I usually was dealing with. I taught fourth grade for many years um, and she was in kindergarten at that point. Um, so that was really as a teacher um, what I felt was needed. Cool. Do you think that there's also correlation between being happy and also your uh, religious complacency or religious happiness. Um, I always find that more important than um, the religious, you know, rules and the laws is to be happy with what you're doing. So do you find also that this helps children um, and teachers really spread that uh, a, a religious message as well? Uh, for sure. I think that, that, that you're, you're right. That when people are happy, um, mitzvahs aren't as challenging, maybe I could put it like that. Um, but at the same time, it, you know, happiness is super important and trying to help our kids is very important. But boundaries also help our kids stay safe. That's not really a topic in my book, but I do think it's important to add that there. That um, when when kids have boundaries, it's um, they feel safe. They feel like, OK, I'm on the top of the building. I could fall off, but it's OK. There's this guardrail here that my parents put for me so that I know how to feel safe. And. And kids in general, when parents have not restrictive and, you know, very um, tough boundaries in a very 
um, critical kind of way, but when kids have set boundaries in a happy way, they feel safe. Cool. So you think it's both as well. And uh, in terms of, of who can learn from this and take this message, really it's bigger than just um, the book. You're saying that it's both the both the bully and the and the bullied can learn from this, right? For sure. And it's important to realize that almost every bully doesn't see themselves as a bully. They see themselves as a victim. Um, and when we can help them learn these skills and when we can help the other people learn the skills, it stops. So um, I have a video where I demonstrate with my daughter and a friend of hers how when you respond to somebody like a friend, when they're being mean to you the same way that Sarah does at the end of the book, um, it actually stops it from becoming a huge fight. So even the bully doesn't feel like a victim anymore because nobody's fighting back. The other person is treating them like a friend. And so it really, you know, neutralizes the situation from all ends. So what are things that you hear in your profession that are just bad advice? Um, to be more specific, like if, you, if you're the parent of a child, what are things that you could do that will be detrimental if you hear um, that your child is, is bullying or being bullied? Um, what are the things that you should stay away from doing as like a reaction to the, to the news? So there's a range of things. And I want to just tell your listeners that if you've said any of these things, don't worry, you didn't ruin anything forever. So I'm going to list a number of things, but still it's, uh, you know, don't, don't, uh, don't feel terrible about it. The first thing is, um, oh, come on, just ignore them. Um, in boys, it might be man up, just, you know, come on, be a, be a man, be a big boy. This is ridiculous. You don't have to cry about this. It's really important to validate what the child is going through. They need to know that you're there for them. But you have to validate it without making it into a bigger deal. Because at the point at which they see that their parents think this is a big, huge deal, and by big, huge deal, it's usually like, I'm going to go to school and speak to the teacher. No one's allowed to talk to you that way. Also something that you should not do. Um, it's They say, wow, I thought this was a little problem. And the way my mother's reacting to this, now I realize it's a really, really big problem. And so it can become a lot worse when parents either say, oh, just ignore it, or when they make it into a much bigger deal than it had been before. Um, one more thing is when parents try to fix the world for their child. There's a very, very rare situation where actually removing the child from a class, from a school is necessary. So I'm not saying it's never necessary, but it is, it's, it's not like the first thing you go to. And so that's, that's another thing. Learning resilience is important. In this past year, I think that we all learned how resilience is going to get you through a lot. So starting them young without, you know, you know, while still making sure we understand what they're going through is important. Did you find that this year you had to deal with bullying within families more because kids were home um, with their family? So there was a dynamic of, of like the bully just took it out on his family? Um, not not so much in the calls that I've gotten. Um, most of my calls are from teachers. Um, I found with my students and phone calls that I've gotten from teachers, that when everybody first got back to school at the beginning of the year, for those of us who were lucky enough to be in a classroom, um, it uh, every, there was nobody being mean. Everybody was just so happy to be with other people. Everybody, right. 
And then now as things go on, I feel like the stress and anxiety of the year of, of the world that is really there has not been necessarily bringing out the best in everybody, not adults and not kids, sadly. And so there's a lot of work to, to be done. And, um, but we know how to do the work, so we'll continue to do it. Wow, that's a terrific point. It's a good thing I'm talking to you because I thought that um, I have a seven-year-old daughter and when she went back to school this year, um, I thought that it was a great time for her to you know, change the narrative and, and get back on um, if, there were, if there were any dynamic issues in, this, in the classroom. Um, then she could, she, when she get back, got back, she would be able to change that. Um, and you're saying initially maybe, yeah, they're so excited to be back, but then there's this uh, period where the kids, the initial period is gone and now the kids are, um, there's like a lot of stress at home and, and maybe it doesn't lend to an easy time with being bullied or, or bullying either one. That's a great point. I mean, the, when you wake up in the morning and you're never sure, am I going to school today? Am I not going to school today? Am I going to hear about somebody close to me that's sick? Am I not? Are we going to have to go get tested? Or are we not? It like that takes the bucket without anybody being mean to you. And it just, you know, empties it. And I mean, for some people more than others, but um, it's, it's tough. And when somebody is having, you know, we all know that when we have a bad day, we're just not as nice to people as we would be when our day is going well. So I have a lot of compassion for people with empty buckets, even when they're being really mean, because it's because something inside of them is really going on that's painful for them. And I think that when parents and teachers and anybody really can can look at the person being mean with compassion, we can help them a lot more than when we, you know, want to jump to just kick them out of school or when we want to punish them. It helps a lot. Cool. Did you find that um, now that a lot of the kids are online, that it's turned to a lot of cyberbullying and kids have learned new ways to, to bully? Um, and would it be the same way of dealing with it that we do in in face-to-face real-life situations? Is cyberbullying like a similar uh, dynamic that we can deal with like that? Um, cyberbullying is a difficult kind of bullying, but in a lot of ways it's a lot easier because if the kid will believe you, and of course they have to believe you, they can literally ignore the person. So in real life, ignoring the person isn't very empowering. Just ignoring them, just say, just ignore them, walk away. You're not giving them anything to do except to walk away feeling like they're the loser in some cases. So that's why being able to respond in a kind way and seeing how you stop it all is very helpful. But the unfollow button or the, I don't want to be on this hangout group anymore is actually powerful also. And um, it's a very easy way to like leave the cyberbullying and just not like it doesn't need to exist. You know, nobody, you know, when you're talking about older kids, nobody needs to follow an Instagram account that doesn't make them happy. And if you have a friend on your Facebook feed and the stuff that they post stresses you out, hide them from your wall. Like it's there's a lot it's a lot easier to ignore and still stay empowered on cyberbullying. I wonder, though, how you're going to continue building that resilience, whereas the opportunity for a child who's perhaps being bullied is that he can now learn how to be resilient and how to stand up to things. Um, If he's always just going to leave, then how does he do that online? Um, I think that there are lots of built-in opportunities in life for resilience building, Um, but staying in a situation that's toxic is is never, and I know, I realize I'm saying at the same time, 
Um, but I think that specifically staying in a situation that's toxic for the purpose of building resilience is not, um, is not such a great idea, which is different than like, let's move you to a different class because let's be real. In the other class, there's still going to be mean kids. Like there might not be this kid that you have these specific issues with, but it's still, um, it's, it's always going to exist. We're never, I mean, until Mashiach comes and that should be soon, we are not going to be rid of mean people. All right. That's a solid point because I always think, and I believe that um, a lot of times it, what happens, the dynamics on online are really just a, um, a mirror of what happens in real life. And you're saying not always, and there's uh, situations and opportunities for us to do things differently online. Uh, that's uh, even with regards to like social dynamics and things. That's really cool. So obviously this message is super important for lots of different demographics. So you, do you have plans to create a book um, for different demographics, not just young, young women or young girls? Um, are those plans in the work? So I already wrote the book, Betty the Bucket Filler. It's being illustrated. And just like you, the illustrator is in Israel and has had her kids at home quite a bit this year. So the illustration process, it can't go as quickly as I would have wished for reasons that are out of everyone's control. Um, so, so it is about, um, a boy who is excluded and it's a different kind bullying by exclusion is a different and very painful kind of bullying. And, um, this boy learns how to keep his bucket full despite this group of, of kids and I'll spoiler alert. Um, the way he does that is by finding other kids to play with the kids who he wants to play with that he imagines would be his friend group may not want him to play with them, but he can find other people to hang out with instead that he's happy to be around, that he feels good being around. And um, at the end, he's able to include one of the boys who was being mean. Cool. But as is, you feel that this book has resonated with uh, teachers and parents alike. Um, yes. So both of the books would be relevant. Um, and I work with, I'm happy to work with parents. Um, it's just that teachers are the ones who are, you know, dealing with this in a way more than parents. I definitely speak to parents, but um, teachers are mainly um, who I speak to. And the truth is when parents and teachers are trained, it's actually even better than training kids because A, they can learn how to react and behave themselves. And then once they practice it themselves, they can teach it to their kid from like firsthand, like this is what works for me. And it's the modeling, it's what they're gonna see their parents doing. And their parents and the teachers are the ones who are there all the time to be able to reinforce these skills. You know, I could teach these skills to a 10 year old and then we'll hang up the phone and then they have to be in their real life where they need somebody constantly reassuring them and uh, like reminding them of their tools that they have in their toolbox to deal with this. Cool. So you're really attacking this at the core. It's not a uh, band-aid book, you know, to try to fix a problem from the outside. You're really trying to get deep into it. Cool. So what was something that was surprising um, to you that when, once you wrote the book, like as an outcome of the book, what was surprising? Um, so I guess almost the opposite of what I just said, I thought it was going to be for kids. And I thought I was going to be teaching kids and that, you know, first graders were going to read the book. And I get emails about how it's helping people with their marriages. And so that, that's definitely, that was a surprise for me, but it makes perfect sense now that I think about it. 
That's awesome. That's like a massive lesson in packaging because when you see it right away, you're like, oh, it's not relevant for me. It's all pink and it's for girls, little girls. Um, then you read it. And I, I started reading some of the, some of the book and you realize the message, this is just the packaging because the message is so deep and so important for everyone on every level, no matter the color. Um, I would love to speak to the fact that I heard, I think I heard you on a podcast say that, um, you know, even if you don't have a child who's being bullied or a child who is bullying, um, even just watching it affects you and watching bullying happen affects you. I wonder uh, if you could speak to that a little bit. Um, I think that it's being in a negative atmosphere, a toxic atmosphere is a very painful place to be in to start with. And when there's a third party there, they're in a very difficult situation because most kids, just like most adults, are not comfortable stepping into a situation where there's two people arguing and like sticking up for the underdog. It's a very noble place to be, but we're human beings and it's very difficult, especially for kids and even adults. It's you're in a it, it's just you might end up being the one to be bullied. And then it's very uncomfortable and it's, it's just, it's a scary thing to try to do even as, even as an adult. So, you know, that third person standing there, it's hard for them to, to go afterwards and say, wow, I stood there and I didn't do anything. But at the same time, you know, stepping in is also very. That's fascinating. Do you, um, do you see a difference between parents and teachers in dealing with it? Because sometimes parents don't see the bullying um, they just hear about it like third hand or second hand. And, um, but yeah, the teachers are di in a different position because they see it. Maybe they see it in the classroom. So the interesting thing is teachers almost never see the bullying either. Um, because kids are smart and they do it when teachers are not watching. Um, when they do, it's super important to step in. It's never okay for a teacher to be too scared to step into a situation to fix it. It's more of the other kids that have a hard time or for a teacher when there's, you know, two teachers in the teacher's lounge arguing to be, you know, to step into that argument. That's what's complicated. But definitely teachers need to step in. And when parents have to step into a situation, they have to be more careful because, you know, oh, let me just call her. She's my friend. I'll tell her what her son is saying and then she'll want to stop him. It's going to blow up in the face. So um, it's a little bit more complicated for a parent, unless it's between her own two kids. But um when it's when you're a teacher, it's your job to fix the situation between the kids. But when you're a parent and something's happening to your kid, what you need to do is you need to give your kid skills and empower your kid and let the teacher know what's going on so that he or she can look out for it. But um, know that it's, you know, it's more about fixing your kid, not fixing your kid. I'm sorry, that was not the right word. Helping your kid know how to react in the situation because the only person you can control is is yourself. And if you think you're going to fix the way the other kid is behaving, it's not happening. So I'm with this question. And uh, if you could get your book in front of a demographic or even a specific person who wouldn't have read your book otherwise, um, who would it be? Um, that's a great question. Maybe whoever is in charge of curriculum for schools, but like overall curriculum so that they could get it to be part of the curriculum and in many schools, uh, I guess. I, I'm trying to think of somebody fun and exciting, but it's not fun. <laughs> I think that's an exciting answer because it shows where your head is. You're not you're not interested necessarily in just dealing with this as like a band-aid or one kid at a time. You're you're trying to make big, huge uh, inroads in the education system um, that we can we can help solve this issue of bullying. That's amazing. Okay. 
All right. Thank you so much for joining us. This was a really interesting conversation. It's cool. Uh, I learned a lot about bullying. Um, thank you for having me. I appreciate so it. So thank you. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed. This project is a creative project of mine, and I want to know that it resonates with people. The best way to speak to me and to let me know is by subscribing to this channel on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, listening, finding me on YouTube, Beyond the Book YouTube channel, and leave a comment that you enjoyed it. The more feedback I get, the more I'll do. And if you enjoyed it, even just a simple liked it works for me. We'll see you next week on Beyond the Book.